Hello there, this is Wale Olulano, the presiding apostle of Harmony Christian Ministries. I'm happy that you can join us today in our podcast. I pray today's message will encourage, edify, and illuminate your heart, wherever your circumstances may be. Please relax and enjoy. The book of 1 Samuel, chapter 17, and we're going to read straight from verse 10. Hallelujah. 1 Samuel 17, from verse 10. 1 Samuel 17, from verse 10. The Bible said, And the Philistines said, I defile the armies of Israel. I confront the armies of Israel. I challenge the armies of Israel. You know you are in that army. And a situation is challenging you. A situation is defying your authority. Defying your confession. He's saying to you, you are not able to do this. That's what this demon was saying on a daily basis. He was the champion of the other side of the enemy. He said, I challenge the armies of Israel. Confine you to the level where you are. Give me a man that we may fight together. He was daring them. I know you are weak. You are fearful. You're not prepared to make a change. You dare not give me a man. Wow, what a challenge. Verse 11, when Saul and the Israel heard these words that the Philistines said to them on a daily basis, they were dismayed. What does it mean? They were confounded. They were discouraged. They were disillusioned. The king, the commander-in-chief, the one who has the authority to speak was confused. The Bible said they were all greatly afraid. Does that sound familiar? That's one of the things you see in the season. Now David, who is this guy? Who is this young adult? David, he was the son. Please note that. David was the son of that epiphyte of Bethlehem Judah, whose name was Jesse, who had eight sons. I don't get that. He was the son who had eight sons. May God make you the son. It's a difference between a son and the son. The man was old, advanced in years in the days of Saul. The three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to the battle. The names of these three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the fourth son, Nesuim, Abinadab, and the third was Shammah. David was the youngest. He was the youngest, and yet he was called the son. You see, this thing is all about age. Just like the devil comes for the old and the young, so also is the power of God is available unto all. Isn't that amazing? The favor of God is upon you, no matter your age. He was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul. But David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his fellowship at Bethlehem. David occasionally. And the Philistines drew near and presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. Well, for a short minute, we're going to press deeper into what we started last week. I know last week we spoke about the cross, the confinement, and the resurrection. But this part two, I have titled it, Winning in Times of Crisis, because that's what it was about. The whole story of resurrection was about winning in the face of death. Winning in the time of crisis. Why don't you say that to yourself, I will win in this time of crisis. And in every time of crisis, I will always win. In Jesus' name. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 20, verse 29. It said, the glory of the young men is their strength. 
and the splendor of old men is their gray hair. Remember the time that the apostles were told about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, John the Beloved was much younger in age than Peter. And both of them were told the same time, and so they ran out of the same room to go to the tomb of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that John ran faster. He was so eager. He ran right into the tomb, and he, he was so zealous. He saw the empty tomb, but nothing else. Peter, the older man, he came behind Peter, and he looked in the tomb. He saw an angel. The man who got there first, he didn't see that. And what does that tell us? It means the younger people have the grace and the ability to do things much faster. But the older people will come with deeper understanding. The two combined together in this day and age will bring us into the fullness of resurrection. Are you listening to me now? We need the strength. We need the speed. We need all the agility of the young people. And we need a deeper, composed understanding of the older ones to get there. So everybody must be involved. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 6, it says to us that we must move on from the babyhood stage unto maturity. We must move on from the babyhood understanding unto maturity. Actually, it says it in Hebrews 5 verse 14. It says the process of growth is as a result of people who have exercised their senses. I love that. By reason of use. So that they can discern between evil or good. My dear friends, one of the trigger points of exercising our senses for development and for growth is during crisis. You know, crisis will wake you up like nothing else. Crisis will bring some reality you never even considered. Have you ever been told you need to stop drinking coffee or you need to stop eating some kind of food? And you've been ignoring it until they tell you there is a health issue. Nothing else will tell you better. You don't need someone else to remind you to become disciplined. So crisis, they come with a special grace to push you forward into development. You know, something about the eagle. The eagle is the king of all birds. And the study of animals and birds and nature tells us that the eagle, when he wants to train his young ones, it stretches out its wings and it goes to a high, 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 high mountain, a very high point with the eaglets behind her. And when it gets right up, she folds her wings and the eaglets begins to drop. They were enjoying the flight until she pulls back her wing. They begin to drop. What do you think she's trying to do? The eaglets will either have to learn to fly or to fall most of the time because they are eagles. They would always fly. I pray for you in the name of Jesus. No matter who you are, whatever wants to be put up from underneath you, may you fly to greater heights in the name of Jesus. It is the secret of the champions. We have spoken, we have prayed this morning, sung the songs, atmosphere shift right now. And we are saying that this champion, our God is a champion. Listen to me, he raises champions too. Hallelujah. Very important. Now, one of the things which you'll find as immediate experience during crisis is fear and despair. Very important. People feel helpless. People feel there is really nothing I can do. People feel that I don't even know where to start from. Whatever I've got to do must be very small, so there's no need in starting. 
So they begin to think again. By the way, why do I need to do anything? Whose job is it to do it? I'm not the leader. I'm not even the oldest. I'm not the captain of the team. Why should I do anything? If there is a crisis, let them solve it. I'm not the firstborn in this family. Why should I make a difference in this house? Let my sister do it. Let my brothers do it. I am the youngest in this family. You see, we begin to think we're not the boss around here. Where is the chief? Why is the commander in chief? Let them do it. That's one of the things which you'll find in crisis. In time of crisis, there is a strong pressure for accountability or even to blame somebody else. Whose job is it, by the way? Why did the problem even occur? What do we blame? Do we blame this person? Do we blame that person? Do we blame this technology or not? People begin to look for who to blame. That's one of the things that happen. Let's blame the leader. People learn to pass the buck without passing the box. You know, people just like to blame somebody. Is that what you are doing in your home right now? Are you blaming somebody in your house for the things which you could easily do or fix? Are you thinking it's not my job? Who should have called members of our team? Who should be following people? I'm not even the leader of the team. Who should have done it? No, it's not me. People feel, let those who are called leaders, let them do it. Is that, is that how you feel? In a time of crisis, we push the blame. We push accountability to others but ourselves. That's not the spirit of people who want to win in a crisis. The truth, my dear friends, whether you are young or old, you are ordinary. Please write this down. You are ordinary until the unique leadership grace in you has emerged through crisis. You are ordinary. Whether we call you a leader, the director of the department, whether we call you daddy or mommy, whether we call you minister or pastor, you are ordinary until the leadership grace in you emerges in the time of crisis. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8 verse 19. He said, for the creation waits. Now watch that. The creation waits eagerly. There is an eager expectation of the creation. For what? For the manifestation of the sons of God. It's times like this. That we need to have the sons being revealed. For the revelation. My prayer for you in the name of Jesus. That in the season we are in. The grace of sonship will manifest in you in Jesus' name. You know, one of the things that has been so amazing is to see people that are imagined, even in our local church, at this time. That's where you see the difference between sons and those who are passing by. That's the difference. People who understand that the house must be sustained in your family as you are seated watching me this morning. You discover that somebody feels well. We don't have the cleaners coming around anymore. We are sons in this house. We are daughters in this house. People are feeling that it's not mommy's duty alone to look after this. Let's get up. Let's go and do this. Are you feeling like that? The nation is waiting. Creation is waiting. In that business, in that office. That's the thing about sons. Crisis, my friends. It's one of God's best opportunities to reveal the leader in you. It is. So if we talk about young leaders, young adults, crisis grow you. It gives you a platform beyond your years. Crisis can be an opportunity to showcase the competence or the incompetence of a person called a leader.
You know, one of the things you find out in time of crisis, some people will just put their head right down in the sound. You will not even hear from them anymore. They will just disappear in a time of crisis. Some people just disappear. You don't even hear a word from them. They disappear. It shows what individuals are made of. Individuals who are talk, 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 talk. But there is no action. Whereas in the time of crisis, some people just roll up their sleeves. Yes, let's get on with this. Do I start here? Do I start there? They show up because something needs to be done. We got to fix the world again. That's why you see. Some people would just call up, I am sick. I can't come to work today. Because they have told us, if you cough a little bit, you don't need to come. So they would just cough. Ah, Mike, can you say I'm coughing? <coughs> Chantel, I can't come. I sneezed last night. Don't you are not like that. The creation is waiting for the sons to manifest. You cannot afford to do that because there's a future for us all. I want you to ask your neighbor, are you the type that bury your head in the sand or the ones that roll up your sleeves? Which one are you? This has nothing to do with age. It's about coming to know that this is an opportunity for something deep inside of you to come forth. In any kind of crisis, what is most required, now listen carefully, is individuals who are prepared to step forward to lead the group in a dignifying way out of the ditch into a vibrant, different body. Individuals who will rise up. Say, no, we refuse to lie down and take this. We will rise up and rebuild. This family will not lie down like this. We're not going to be a family that looks like we are close. No life here. In your family, no, there must be life. You must be a person that is making a difference. You must be a person thinking about what we can do. Create life even from wherever you are. I'm not asking you to go outside your house if you don't have a business outside the house. But there are things you can do. You can create waves. You can be on your phone for good, not for social media. You can do stuff. You can make a list of everybody you haven't seen for a while. There are people who are Christians, members of some churches. You don't have to be the leader of that group. Make a list. Begin to call on people. In a time of crisis, all God is counting on. A few people will stand up. In the time of crisis when man failed. Man failed in the first agenda of God. God said, who shall go for us? Did you notice that? He's always looking for the one, for the two, because the crisis is the time that sons will appear. Before I, this is still foundation for my message. Another very important thing you should know about crisis, crisis is a season. Even though it appears as if life is coming to an end. Listen to me, this is a season where I'm preaching to an empty auditorium. It's only a season. This phase will pass. It's a season for you to be hearing the word on a Sunday morning in your pajamas. It's a season. Crisis is a season. It is not programmed to be permanent. The only permanent thing, my dear friend, is the promise of God and God. That's the only permanent thing. The promise of God that when we gather together, there is power. The promise of God that I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. The promises of God that you are head and not tail. That's the only thing that is permanent. This season will pass. You know the amazing thing about it? It didn't warn us when it came. It's not going to warn us when it will go. 
That's what's important about season. But we know it will come and go. The Bible tells us. That's very clear. So the coronavirus is a season. It will go. People who live through the world time, the world war, either World War I or World War II, they thought they are going to go. But my dear friends, some of them survived it. I pray when this season has come and go, you will be standing. It will not take you with it in the name of Jesus. I pray you will not be lost with the season in Jesus' name. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 4, he said it's a time to weep, a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn and there's a time to dance. My dear friends, each of these four is a season. There are times in our life that we may have to weep. It's a season. It's not because you have sinned or God hated you or something happened that you had to weep. It's a season. But the good thing is after you have wept a bit, you will still laugh. You got to understand about putting on a happy face. In a season, you must understand that God remains constant in every season of your life. So if you are disadvantaged today, maybe you have lost your job in the course of this season. This season will pass. A better job awaits you. It's a season. You must understand that crisis will not last forever. This story will change tomorrow. So, back into our text. We told ourselves, in the time that Christ died and he was buried, the disciples were thrown into confusion. We told ourselves that it was like a point of confinement. They scattered. And then it rose. And then the church started. And the church was growing. And they were growing in thousands. And then persecution started. So that was death. Also, another form of death. When we see the cross, when they were being persecuted. So they went into isolation, confinement. And at that period, many of them disappeared. All of a sudden, out of the blues, a man called Philip, we told ourselves last week, he saw face somewhere. He stood up and he was preaching the gospel in Samaria. And the church began to grow in the face of confinement. There are elements that are keys to winning in crisis. We said the first one last week was we have to feed our faith. We have to starve our fear. I want to press into that because that story is mirrored in the story of David. What David did in the passage that we read this morning is quite mirrored. The second point which goes into this same teaching. Let the crisis reveal the special you. Listen to me. There are no two types of you on this face of this earth. You are special. Yeah. You may have thought you look like your daddy, you look like your mommy, you, look, you took your face of your grandma, but you are special. You must allow the special thing inside of you to come out, even in this time of crisis. The Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 17 verse 12, it says, now David was the son. He's a special son. You are special too. You must rewrite that and put your name. You are the son. My father had six children. I'm in the middle. Six children. I'm the third one. But guess what? I am the son. Anybody can claim that position? You must understand that there's something unique about your life. Your parents may have had 20 children. It doesn't matter. Maybe it's even one. It's not the number that matters. It's the uniqueness of your life. Let the crisis reveal the specialty in you. The real you. The special you that is there. 
every time the scripture have to refer to this kind of thing, it's not only peculiar to David, even Joseph. The Bible says, here is a story of Jacob, Joseph. Can you see that? Then he said, Jacob had 12 sons. Can you see that? And yet he said, the story of Jacob was Joseph. I pray that in the name of Jesus, you will be that one that will have an impact in your family, have an impact in your generation, have an impact in your local church, have an impact in your nation. That's what it begins. Let the season reveal the special you. Do you know when the apostles chose the deacons? There are names that were chosen. We don't even know those names anymore. But guess what? We talk about Philip today. He was a special one. We talk about Philip today. There are things that God will put in your path that will make you to emerge. It will make you to stand out. It will make you to speak up because there's a uniqueness about your life. God does not judge the way man judges. Man, look at, he's the firstborn. He's the one that was ordained. He's the one that was called pastor. He's the one that was called, you know, minister this, minister that. But God has no interest in all that. God looks at the difference you made to humanity. He looked in the time of crisis, where were you? In the time we needed somebody to lead, where were you? Somebody to face the fire, where were you? The Bible tells us about the first matter in the first church, act of apostle. He stood out amongst his friends. He was not even part of the apostles that were chosen. The first matter, Stephen. Stephen stood out. He was a deacon. But where were you? When, when we need people to stand in your family, where were you? Sleeping in your room, locked up, putting up your headphones. That's not where you make an impact. You don't make a difference. You only make a difference because you stand up when God says, who shall go for us? People say, oh, he lived, he lived to 70. I want to live to 80. I want to live to 90. It's not the years. It is the life in the years. You have to say to yourself, if I don't do this, who else will do it? There is something in me. That tells me I am not ordinary. But pastor, what if I have not had God? Really? You will never find anywhere in the Bible where the Holy Spirit said to David, David, go and confront Goliath. Never a place in the Bible where the Holy Spirit said to Nehemiah, Nehemiah, go and build a wall that is broken down in Jerusalem. <laughs> or even Joseph. No. Or Daniel. These were people who said, if I don't. In fact, there was a time Nehemiah was, was about to be killed. They told him he had to go and be locked up somewhere. You had to go. He said, but shall a man like me flee? That's Nehemiah chapter 6. He said, shall a man like me flee? You must understand, my dear friends, that until you come to connection with the deeper purpose inside of you, without anybody calling you into it, why? Because we told us that this is a season. Now, watch it. What you do in this season is preparing you for the next season. That's what you should know. <laughs> so, while you're hiding your head in the sand, someone else is standing up to be counted. And while you are standing up and say, God, here I am, send me. When David stood up, those people ahead of him said, you this southern boy, you are always putting your nose where you are not called. You are not even ordained. He said, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? 
One of the things I rejoice when I get texts from different people, people who are ordinary in our church, particularly young folks. Pastor, you know we can do this at this time. Pastor, you know we can do this. Great ideas. You give some people an assignment, they don't even let me sleep. My phone is buzzing. Pra, 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 with suggestions. Is that not a cause? My dear friends, young leaders, this is your time. Stand up and be counted. Nothing is going to be handed over to you. There are young leaders in the world taking over companies. Taking over leadership of nations. Why? Because they are standing up. Ruth was called upon the special thing inside of you. Will you make it count now? She said, if I perish, I perish. She went forward. She went forward. Let me go on quickly. Do not procrastinate. That's the third thing. Make today count. Many people want to do something, but they are saying, you know what? I don't know how long this will go on for. The prime minister said three weeks, and now they've said uh, at least three weeks. And I was still trying to get my head around three weeks. I thought after three weeks, then I will begin to be alive again. You know, I, I was so dazed. I don't even know where to start. Well, do you know when this thing will be over? Stop bothering yourself about how long it will take. Make today count. Today is what you have. If you make today count, tomorrow is already counted. That's how it goes. Don't procrastinate. Don't procrastinate. There are people who are saying, you know, I'll begin to do something special. Maybe next week. There are people who are warming up, warming up to be useful. Do you know in the battle that we just read about, there are trained soldiers. And I guarantee you, every time Goliath comes out and he threatens them, and he says, you know, give me somebody, and they all run away. There'll be individuals who are saying, ah, what happened to me? Why did I run? Tomorrow I'm not going to run. Tomorrow, let me, let me practice. Let me practice my archery. Let me practice my... Listen, they are practicing, but they are not doing nothing. You've got to get started. You've got to get started. Make today count. John Maxwell said something that blessed my soul. He said, every day, you are either writing your tomorrow's success or regretting the today that you failed to fix yesterday. That's very profound. Number four, be knowledgeable with accurate message. If you are going to stand and be the one that God will use in this time. You see, because what you find out is that in a time of crisis, different people may manifest. Some people may take advantage of the situation. They may step up because they have zeal. And they may begin to infect people with wrong doctrine. They may begin to do the wrong things because they are the ones you can see. They begin to sit down. My wife always say, when people send out fake news on social media, how can they sit down and carve this? You know, somebody will sit down and deliberately distort the truth and push it out. They're taking advantage of fear. There are ministries, there are individuals who will sit down and preach a message just to derail people. Paul told us. He said that their doctrine will spread like cancer. Can you say that? So in a time of crisis, because you know that some people will distort the truth, you need to stand up for the truth. So if you are going to stand up, be knowledgeable. That is the word saying. Be informed so that you are not deformed. If you are going to stand up, you must know the truth about what you are standing up for. You must understand you must understand the history. 
when, when, when Philip went to Samaria, he didn't go there to just tell them about a Jesus somebody told him. He knew this Jesus. He knew why he came. He knew why he died. He knew how he resurrected. Let the story become your story. Be familiar with the truth. Be conversant with what is the truth. So you are not a, a vessel that is spreading lies. If you are going to be used of God, Jephthah is another one that comes to my mind. <laughs> when he was called upon to lead the children of Israel, he knew the history of his people. He knew what to say about it. So he, he, he wrote a lengthy letter. A one of the first things I believe that's where diplomatic letters started from. He wrote a letter telling the history of his people. You have to know the truth about this God. So what am I saying? This is a time for you to know God personally. This is a time for you to get to know God. To get to walk with God. Enable yourself with the truth. Fill your spirit. So that you are not ignorant. You are not ignorant. There are many ignorant believers. There are many people who don't even know what they are talking about. You don't know the truth. You don't know the problem. If you are going to be the one. The key to winning the time of crisis. Know the facts. You've been brought into the business to make an impact. Troubleshoot. Know the history. Know what's going on in the markets. Know what's happened. Know what happened before. Know what triggered this trouble. At least get to know the truth. This is very important. There is one thing to have zeal. It's another thing to have knowledge. Zeal without knowledge is fatal in a time of crisis. You may find out that you are jumping into something that is too deep. Get to know. This is important. Get to know. Get to know. Why is it important to get to know? This is when you get to know. This is when you are able to invoke the powers beyond your years. You fight with invisible power of the invincible God. Our God is invincible. He is the almighty God. But you must understand that the powers available for you is invisible. It's not, we are not fighting with flesh and blood. Amen. And so you understand that the power above that is revealed to you, you must get to know it. So when you know the truth, you are able to confront this invisible enemy. Hallelujah. Let me close with one more. Remain connected to the corporate house for your sustained impact. When you want to win in a time of crisis, remain connected. Remain connected to the house. This is where I want to speak especially to young people, zealous people. As you want to make an impact in your business, make an impact in your family, make an impact in the house of God and in your nation. Remain connected to the corporate house. Very important. You know when you step out and you make a difference, people will sing your praises. People will say, hey, he has saved the day. That's what they did to David. When he killed Goliath. David has killed his 10,000. Saul is 1,000. People will sing your praises. Don't let it get into your head. They told David, when he went into that crisis, what the king had prepared to give to whoever. David was not fighting for a name. He was not fighting for a position. He was not fighting to, to, to just boost his own, you know, his own followership on social media. Not at all. He was fighting for the name of the Lord God Almighty. And he was fighting for the pride of the house of Israel. Whatever you do in this season, it's not about you. Do it for your family. 
When you stand up tomorrow and say, you know, I'm going to make a difference in this house. It's not about you. It's about this house should look better. It's about this house must not go down. This business must not go down. Do it for the corporate purpose. It will be one individual faith, but it will have a corporate impact. When Philip went to Samaria, he didn't go there to make a name. When the story changed and things got better, he called on Peter, called on the apostles, come and take over. Listen to me, my friends. And many people are derailed today because I did something. I want people to know I did something. When you begin to do that, your impact is hollow. Your popularity is for a few days. You will get all the likes. You will get all the friends. But it will not go more than that. God is looking for a people who will begin a new day. Who will start a new flow. A people who will make a new impact. Who will know that there is a name bigger than their name. There is a purpose bigger than their purpose. This is the thing. And this is how to win the time of crisis. There are things we are enjoying today. We don't even know the people who actually discovered them. But they are blessing generations. I want to close with the scriptures. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 58. The Bible says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. I pray that you will be steadfast in this season. And too many things out there. It's able to shift people. Able to make people disillusioned. Do you know how it is right now? You can attend about seven services in a day now. It's easy. As you are out there. After this service, you can quickly go over and join another church, another broadcast. People can easily get lost. They can easily get confused. Which one do I hold on to? What is the message really? That was not the case before. It was hard for you to physically attend about four services, but now you can do about seven. Is that really what God wants for you? He said, be steadfast. Whatever things you do, be steadfast. He said, immovable. Immovable. What's he asking us to be immovable about? Don't move from the truth. The truth has been given to you. As you have received the truth, be immovable. He said, always abounding. I love that. Always abounding. In the work of the Lord. You cannot abound if you are all over the whole place. You cannot abound if you are throwing all over the whole place your time. And it's not really concentrated. Always abounding. Knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. As you step out to make an impact. God says to you that your labor is not in vain. I want to know that God is not unjust. That's what he says. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 10. It's not unjust to forget your labor of love. I pray for you in the name of Jesus. That as we come into this season, as we are in this season, almost over this season. Listen, this time will never come back again. What will you be telling your grandchildren in the years to come? What God used you for in this season? What would you say you have done differently? Since this thing started, tell yourself what impact have you made? What one thing have you done there? You may have done something for yourself. Or for your family. But you must understand as you think micro, think macro. It must go beyond you. What have you done for other people you don't know? Who have you helped? Who have you reached out to? What impact have you made in the body of Christ? I pray for you that in the name of Jesus, as you make up your mind today to make a difference, I pray you will abound in every good work. I pray that the grace for impact will be upon your life. I pray you will not die with the statistics of this season. I pray you will live, outlive the season to tell your story. 
And when we gather again to rejoice, I see you there dancing. I see you there celebrating. I see you there sharing what the Lord has done. In the name of Jesus, I pray that every sow your seed in the nations. I pray that life's touch will always bless. You will meet people in, in that day when we gather at the feet of Jesus Christ. People say, thank you for what you did. Listen to me. This is a time for you not to give up. This is a time for you not to withdraw your hand. It's a time to give out more. I want to challenge you as we close this service, both in your giving, give financially. Give what God is asking of you because the work of the Lord continues. In fact, it's getting better. That's the truth. But I need you to give your life to the Lord. I need you to give your life to the Lord and say, as I've listened to this word today, I need a power that will come from within me that will reveal the real me, the special me, because you are special. That's why Christ died for you. So if you are saying this to me this morning, you want to give your life to the Lord this morning, why don't you pray this prayer with me and say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity you brought my way. Thank you for giving me this opportunity today. I give my life to you. I surrender my life to you. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Reveal the deep power that is resident on the inside of me. Let it come out. I pray, Father Lord, there will be an answer to my generation. A blessing to my household. From this day on, I call upon your name. I will walk with your power. Walk with your knowledge. In the name of Jesus, I will serve you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We do hope you have been blessed. Our special thanks go to all our partners who give generously to support our ministry. You are welcome to be one of us. We'd like someone to talk to you on any of the issues raised in today's message, please do call us on plus 44-208-597-3110 or you visit our website www.hccenter.org.uk May the peace of the Lord guard you and keep you to meet again.